Thank you for tuning in to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please subscribe to our weekly Boston Bruins Hockey Talk on listening platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, and Spotify Podcasts. We'd certainly appreciate it if you give us show a five-star rating along with a written review. You can also subscribe to our official YouTube channel for a video version of our weekly program. If you'd like to support our show financially, please go to our blackandgoldhockey.com website and click on our affiliated fanatics banner before shopping online. Another way to financially support our weekly program is to become a Patreon member to be eligible for weekly Boston hockey prizes and monthly Boston Bruins hand-signed jersey giveaways. Please go to patreon.com slash podcast and donate just $1 per episode. Many thanks for the continued support and enjoy the show. everybody welcome to episode 337 of the black and gold hockey podcast it's brought to you by FanDuel the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS media network uh, you can sign up now at fanduel.com slash boston and get your no sweat first bet of up to one thousand dollars as you can tell I am not Steve Forney my name is Chris Nosek I'm the new co-host here uh, as, as always joined by Mr. Mark Allred and Ms. Grace Roberts. How are you two doing this Sunday morning? I'm doing great. Happy to be here. I'm super excited that uh, now we've got Chris on board and had a really fun time yesterday with the uh, Only Bruins live stream. I'm sure a lot of people were uh, listening to it and saw that. So I'm happy now to be here talking with uh, y'all about the new new members of the Bruins and what we're uh, thinking about going forward into this season. Yeah, uh, we have a huge, huge agenda to talk about. I'm so excited to have Chris aboard. Sad to see Steve Forney move on, but, um, you know, it's a great opportunity for him to move and and cover the American Hockey League uh, Springfield Thunderbirds, a team that he actually works for already, so it kind of made sense. And it was just too much on his plate for him to do both shows and and um, so we parted ways uh, respectfully. He's a great guy, and I'm, I'm going to continue to support him. But uh, this show needs to move forward. You know, by contract, we need to do a sh- an episode every week. And, and I just thought it would be a great time to, to have uh, you, Chris, join our program, our trio here of uh, passionate Bruins fans every week. And, you know, just talk about the, the news and, the, and our opinions about everything that's going on either this offseason and the upcoming regular season, which I'm, I'm really excited about, even though the roster looks like it's going to be in flux. 
we got so much to go over. I mean, I can't even believe it's been a week since the last show and we have so many things on this list. We're going to try and go sequentially in the order that they actually happened. Um, we're going to try our best to put ourselves back in those mindsets as they were occurring. Um, do you guys have any thoughts before we dive in? Something that's on the tip of your uh, mind that you just got to get out before we uh, dive into this? Take ourselves I, back a week? I, 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 well, I do want to say if anybody wants to become a writer or a podcaster, please reach out at Black and Gold Productions LLC at gmail.com. This is a great opportunity. The off season is a real good opportunity for folks to join our crew get accustomed to how we do our website structure, how we do our podcast on our network, and so on. If you guys want to get involved in this small sports media company that is gaining more credentials every year, um, you know, media credentials, please reach out. We're, we're constantly looking for more content creators to grow our, our, uh, our group here. And, and niche spots, too, are opening up, too, uh, yeah. along the way. So. Even if you want to get involved in, in other aspects, it doesn't hurt to reach out and just say, hey, this is what I can offer. And even if we don't have something today, we will put you on the plate to, to be served up later and we'll call you back as soon as we have that opening available for you. So uh, let's take us back uh, about a week or so ago. Um, we, were, we were all getting ready to sit down and watch the what would have been bittersweet award ceremony. Uh, you see Bergeron take home the Selkie. Uh, the Vesna went to Allmark. Jack Adams goes to Montgomery. They took home almost all of the ones that we thought they would. Uh, what were your thoughts, Grace? I'll start with you as you saw them going up and, and accepting those wor- awards, except Bergeron, who obviously wasn't there. Right. Um, no, it was it was very what I you're right. I thought was going to be super bittersweet because and at the time, you know, putting myself back where we were, it felt like it was sort of the beginning of the end. Like here was the because we knew the Bruins weren't going to get rid of Olmark prior to winning the Vezina. That would have been silly. Um, we knew that Bergeron wasn't going to announce his retirement prior to winning the Selkie. That would have been silly. Um, and so seeing that that happen was sort of um, emotional because you felt like it was going to be over after that. But now, obviously, here we are, and we'll talk about it you know, later on in the show. But those things haven't happened yet, um, if they are going to happen at all. Um, but, yeah, I agree. I think it was so good to see the hard work of all the players rewarded and also to see Jim Montgomery win Jack Adams. He was so deserving. I loved his speech. Um, and I think that uh, it was sort of a, a good reminder of how successful the season was and how much, you know, we have to celebrate about the past year. Obviously David Posternock not winning against Connor McDavid. We get it. It was going to happen. I think I saw people on Twitter saying that there should just be a Connor McDavid award and then everybody else can compete for their own thing. Um, Straight up Connor award. Now the Connor Bedard, Connor McDavid award, which one gets it. And then the other. Right. Right. Um, But at any rate, yeah. So it was good to see that. And I, I think that there was a lot of talk about, you know, potentially that day or the day before the Bruins were still fighting to get into the first round of the draft and had potentially been looking at like, dealing Olmark to the Penguins to get that draft pick. So people sort of attributed the weird, what they felt was like a weird tone to Olmark's speech to that. Um, but obviously it didn't happen. We didn't get in the first round of the draft and we still have Olmark. So, but it was a great, it was great. I loved being able to tweet with everybody like about the award show. It felt like we were back in the, in the regular season, but yeah, it was exciting. And I'm, I'm glad that some of that hard work was rewarded with some uh, individual awards. Yeah. And congratulations to all the uh, the winners, uh, all Mark, Patrice Bergeron, Montgomery. Um, 
it was a, it was good to get those awards for the great regular season, which ultimately just ended in a terrible postseason. But um, you know, being recognized is important. You know, uh, Allmark's words were very strange, in my opinion. Just the the bickering back and forth and so on. There's that was kind of weird with goalie Bob and and Monty and so on. And I get that. You know, you're in a work environment. You're gonna have disagreements once in a while and but to to speak in on it in a national level i was kind of blown away by that particularly and um to uh freshen up uh, um some stuff on on Olmark, they actually couldn't trade him um during the draft or before the draft uh it would be easier for him to move um post free agency that's when his 16 teams uh, come into effect. I was going to say, that's when his no-trade clause kicked in to be modified. It was full up until January 1st, so he could veto anything. Right. Um, it, it's funny that you say that, though, about his words, because I, I actually took that as more of a burying the hatchet kind of public way of doing it, where he comes out and he basically says, like, you know, my coaches are a huge part of this, and you know, every once in a while we're going to butt heads, but you know what? You guys are still my friends, and I still love you guys. You guys got me up here, and we are still a team. Um, I, I thought it was funny how people were trying to twist those words, but, you know, I, I think he also knew that – I think he wants to be here, Allmark does, and obviously they want him here. It would have only been a move to, to clear cap space, and then they went and they dropped the bomb the next day. They trade Taylor Hall and Nick Felino to the Blackhawks, and then they flip Shane Bowers, who they got in the Keith Kincaid deal, to New Jersey, bring in three restricted free agent right-hand shot defensemen in Riley Walsh, uh, Alec Regula, and Ian Mitchell. So they found some cap space in a different way. But I I, I like the fact that Allmark kind of took that stage opportunity to say, we're, we're moving on from this. You know, we had great success. We bickered back and forth, but we're still a team, and we're moving on. So, uh, as I mentioned, the next day, huge moves were made. What was your reaction as, as t- Bruins' Twitter seemed to crumble at the move of Taylor Hall and then rebuild itself at the, at the guise of, this means we're getting Tyler Bertuzzi back? What was your reactions as that one, as that unfolded, Mark? I'll start with you on that one. Um, it, something was going to give on this. Either it was uh, a forward, a defenseman, or a goalie uh, that was higher priced, um, that had needed to be moved to, to you know, facilitate some more cap space in an effort to, at the time, was hopefully sign, re-sign Tyler Bertuzzi. Um, but I, a lot of people freaked out about the return, and I'm not sure if many understood what a cap dump actually means. Uh, they, they were, I, you know, several people were just like, oh, how come they didn't get a draft pick? That's a fair, fair statement. Um, but I don't think uh, Chicago wanted to give up early draft draft picks because they're a rebuilding team as well. Davidson's got his hands full over there with with some young prospects that he has currently in the team. And, and what they did during the draft, I don't think that they wanted to just give away. Um, so, But it was strictly a cap dump in my opinion. You know, you cleared $6 million in cap space. And, and most people just freaked the fuck out when they just didn't... Oh, they! You you made this trade and you didn't get Connor Bedard. I'm like, what? Come on, you know this is, or 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 you didn't get any players from the Chicago Blackhawks that are on the NHL team, it, and then you try to you know bounce back and forth with all these opinions that are being thrown at you, and it's just like, 
Well, if you make a trade for any significance, you have to pay those players that are coming back. So what's the point of shedding cap when you're just taking more on? It's almost like you're 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 a dump truck driver and you're just you're constantly getting refilled while you your 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 back of your truck is just tilted. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You're just guiding stuff to a different place. I, I, I get where you're going with it, Mark. It's okay. Um yeah, I I personally like I don't know, I know I'm gonna get like people are gonna be on me about this. I was never the biggest Taylor Hall fan. It's not that I didn't like him and didn't appreciate what he did, and obviously he was one of our best um performers in the playoffs, but I honestly I was more upset about the Felino part of that, but I'm not like even then I completely understand the dropping you're right i thought it was going to be for the purposes of keeping bertuzzi i wonder how much seriousness to that there ever was like i know we've heard just trickles from you know don sweeney cam neely about you know free agency about beyond like the official signings and all um i wonder you know to what extent how much of it was we're doing this because we really do believe there's a chance we're going to keep bertuzzi or if you know there was this understanding all along that the odds were pretty slim um but at any rate yeah i i it's hard i think always when you know players leave and obviously nick felino was a huge veteran but got a clear uh number 17 for a, a new return um and i uh i know mark loves it um i think that the uh well, we're gonna get there the, oh we will um and i think that i do i try to look at, at it positively which is that i think that the Blackhawks are in a stage as a franchise and as a team in which they're going to really depend upon the leadership and veteran leadership of people like Taylor Hall and Nick Foligno. So despite, you know, me liking them and thinking they were really important to our success, I think that it's, there is something valuable to be said about them going to another original six franchise in the midst of a, of a serious rebuilding. Nick Foligno's getting paid, which is great. Um, it's a lot. Glad we're not paying that. Um, but I think that he, you know, good for him and and i do feel bad for taylor hall i feel like he's been bounced around to a lot of teams and had a lot of opportunities um to sort of have to take or he's had to take a back seat to sometimes um you know fit into the way things work but i um i don't know i'm hoping that they can find success there but there was definitely a brief meltdown i think because it was really unexpected um and it just felt like it came out of nowhere but we knew you know we knew the ball was going to drop somehow and somewhere so yeah, for, Happened for me, I think the fact that it was Hall first was the most shocking part. But these two players in conjunction with each other make the most sense for Chicago. As you mentioned, all those reasons why, you know, Taylor Hall next to Connor Bedard. You know, now you have a, an elite first line developing. You know, Nick Foligno added to the bottom six leadership role, young team, all those draft picks. They were going to use most of them because, as Mark said, they're in full rebuild mode right now. And, and they made some solid, solid picks. Those guys, they made some acquisitions in free agency that are going to help as well. They needed to get to the cap floor, so taking on an entire contract like that helped them in that regard. It helped us. As far as not getting a draft pick back, I mean, it would have been nice to get one player and a draft pick, but you had no real negotiating room here. And what you were trying to get was $6 million off of your book. So you got what you needed. And then you got a couple guys that have been offered qualifying offers. Let's say they both sign them. You've added competition to the right side of your defense, which you also needed, by the way, 
Uh, you were probably, if you got two draft picks, you probably would have drafted two right shot defensemen with those picks anyway. So these guys a little bit further along, maybe you catch a diamond in the rough with one of them. And, you know, you knew you were losing Connor Clifton, which, by the way, best of luck, Cliffy out in Buffalo. I'm mm-hmm. glad we're not paying him that deal. And I'm glad we're not paying Felino the $4 million that you mentioned. So it was a deal that accomplished what it needed to. I, I do think there was um, the, the workings for a re-signing with Pertuzzi, and then they realized they weren't as close as they thought. And so Sweeney looked at it and said, okay, I have the cap space I need. I can go out and get other guys. Let me start working my phones and see what I can get come July 1, which we'll, we'll come up on in a minute here. Um, but I, I, it was in some ways the perfect move because mm-hmm. it didn't bring anything back that was going to weigh you down the way Mark was mentioning as far as signing another guy or something to that effect. A couple qualifying offers, less than a million two, and you're, you're good, even if they both sign. I, I think, Mark, are they both waiver-exempt or waiver-eligible? Do you know? Um, Ian Mitchell. Clear. Ian Mitchell is an RFA. Um at the at this season, so he's technically needs to be uh, done. Um, I'm looking. Wow, well, Parker Witherspoon's on here too. Yeah, I'm not sure. This hasn't been updated. So, oh, Alec Regula is uh, no. So they're both RFAs, and they don't have any um, symbols next to them saying that they're waiver eligible. Okay, so they can go up and down then. I don't know about that. Okay, we'll, we'll figure that one out. I mean, that's more semantics anyway for those two guys because, again, the main thing that you were trying to get was $6 million in cap space, So, which was successful. And then after that, they rolled out the, the Centennial Crest and the new, the new season's lineup of, of games uh, for the 100th season. So were there any that were marked off for you guys uh, as, as ones that you really – just jumped out. These are must watches, regardless. I got to be there, kind of games. I mean, for me, yes. For me, it's the one-two punch of on my birthday. They're playing in Nashville, which is very exciting, and I'm super excited about that. But then, perhaps even more importantly, two days later, uh, on April fourth, they are playing at the Carolina Hurricanes, which I know I mention it all the time. I live in North Carolina most of the time, um, and so I will. Yeah. <laughs> Yesterday on the live stream, we were drinking every time I said something about where I've lived. Um, but I, uh, I, I think that the um, that'll be a really fun one to punch. I think the Predators are looking pretty good. We've seen, you know, they had a couple uh, interesting pickups. I know uh, with Ryan O'Reilly um, coming back, they got rid of Matt Duchesne or they bought him out. Um, and so I think that there's a lot of excitement to to be had there. Um, again, you know. I'm always a big fan of the Carolina Bruins games whenever they happen, just because I strongly dislike the Carolina Hurricanes, which I never bring up either. Um, And I very much love the Boston Bruins. Um, And obviously now with Orloff being down in Carolina, it'll be an interesting game. But those are the ones I'm excited about. I also think that the, um, the crest is sexy. I really like it. I'm excited to see them in those jerseys. I'm excited to see Lucic in those jerseys. Um, And hopefully uh, some of our other returning veterans fingers crossed but i'm excited for those mark what were your thoughts on the on the crest and on the overall schedule 
a big fan of the crest. Normally, I'm the uh, old guy yells at Cloud when it comes to Lake Meth Bear and Pooh Bear and so on. Everybody knows that. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited for this jersey. It really brings me back to my my childhood watching uh, in the uh, late '70s, early '80s. Um, but uh, no, I'm excited for that, and I was really excited for the the schedule to be released because it it gives everybody hope that this off season's not going to be. Uh, so long, especially with us content creators. I think that the time is just going to go faster because we have something to look forward to every week. We're also interacting on Twitter and Facebook and all that stuff to help Until pass the time. So, Until what's that? It crashes like it did yesterday. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, but uh, in particular games that I'm looking at, I'm really only one because I love my Courtney, my wife Courtney, from many, many years. Um, on January 20th is her birthday, and they happen to be playing the Montreal Canadiens at TD Garden for one of their era, era nights. And uh, she'll be 50, so uh, that would be a great, great celebration to take her out and, you know, basically have a day on her, um, you know, have a day um, to celebrate and so on. Hopefully the Bruins kick some Montreal Canadiens' ass. The second day that I'm really looking at was is a planning uh, is a get together in Nashville, Tennessee on August. I'm sorry, April second to Tuesday, the uh, Boston Bruins travel down to Nashville, Tennessee to play the Predators, and uh, I think we're going to be going. I, I know we have a, a bunch of BNG people that are, are definitely interested in taking the trip and going down there and just. I I, I don't know if we'll probably end up ruining Nashville. Or, yeah. or, Nash- yep. or Nashville could ruin us. Yeah. One of those scenarios is definitely going to happen. But I'm looking forward to, to getting out and, and doing a roadie with, with a bunch of amazing people. So if you want to join us, um, you know, let me know. We'll, we're going to get some plans together and where everybody's staying. And then we'll lock it all in. And then we'll start saying, um, you know, hey, if you want to join us, we'll be here. So those are two dates that I'm really looking forward to. It's a long Again, way away. That's April. my birthday. It's my birthday. <laughs> We got a new drinking game coming up. So every time, every time Grace says birthday, toss <laughs> it back. Uh, or so it's every time she mentions that it's her birthday, or any time she mentions where she's lived, we take correct. a shot. We will all be hammered in half an yes. hour. Yep, that's correct. <laughs> so, uh, Grace, you mentioned it though. Some of the returning veterans that we hope to see in this crest, namely Patrice Bergeron, David Krejci, uh, Don Sweeney had some words. Basically saying it's all in their hands. Uh, we're we're just as clueless now as we were when the season ended. Um, the the feeling isn't as as good, I guess you could say. Um, I, I think more so on the David Krejci front, uh, especially now that he's introduced a potential return to check. Um, but Bergeron, I think right now he's mostly focused on their fourth child, which he mentioned at the awards ceremony was going to be born any day. So any thoughts, new thoughts anyway, on a Bergeron Krejci return, especially now that we've seen, in fact, Milan Lucic is coming back as part of it. It's, um, it's kind of weird. I feel like we thought by now we would know or at least have some idea, but I feel like every day we go back and forth like, oh, I have a really good feeling that he's coming back, specifically Bergeron, or the next day, there's no chance he's coming back. I don't think he's coming back. Um, so I don't know. I feel very... It's strange. I, I I don't know how much I believe Don Sweeney's, you know, we have no idea. It's all in their hands. I don't, I have a hard time believing that's true. There has to be some indication. Um, I know that I 
saw some people posting about, you know, Lucic saying he he gave David Krejci and Bergeron a call um, prior to finalizing his decision to come back to Boston. So even though he didn't say, and he was very careful, I think, with his words to be like, just, you know, I was asking what it's like in Boston now. You know, what's the culture like? Is it still as good as I remember or whatever? You have to think that there's some pull of, of you know, Lucic coming back um, that might maybe will make them want to, to stick around one more year for the centennial season. Um, but I also, you know, it's, I can't even imagine being in Bergeron's position or Krejci's position um, and having, you know, family obligations and, you know, other things. They're both, you know, old for the league and they're both, they've had injuries historically. And so um, I have no idea. I, I, I keep wanting to, you know, hypothesize like, oh, does this, you know, Lucic coming back, does this, is this a good sign? Is this a bad sign? Um, but I just know I'm going to be wrong either way, whatever way I go, I'm going to be wrong. So I feel like there's no point in me saying either way I'm hopeful, but I have, I, I'm, you know, the John Sweeney quote of we're just as uncertain now as we were at the end of the season. You might as well attribute that to me too, because I have no idea. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen, but I don't know. What do you think, Mark? I think the realistic thing is, uh, Bergeron comes back and I don't, I don't know to be honest, if it's a great idea to bring Krejci back. I, I like David Krejci and so on. A great career. You know, he's probably going to retire everyone. Um, but with the cap space the way it is and w- with work that continues to be done behind closed doors with some RFAs and UFAs or whatever, um, I just don't see it happening. And uh, and I think the uh, – obviously we'll talk about it, but – the Morgan Geeky signing, I think, was more of a less like a insurance policy. We've got a good player, but an insurance policy in case somebody does depart, we can seamlessly fit uh, a player like him in. So, um, yeah, I, I'm I'm all for Bergy coming back, but I'm I, I really don't know what the crazy situation is going to be. And, and there's there's another narrative out there that I want to talk about, and that is like not signing David Krejci, but like let's sign him like in January or February. I'm absolutely not a fan of that. Um, I don't think that players his age should be out of game type situations for that long, and then all of a sudden say, "Are you ready for the playoffs? We're going to sign you right now." Or you know, I, I just don't see that scenario happen either. Because David Krejci did mention in that in that news outlet uh, overseas that he would like to go to Chechia for at least half a season and play over there because the world championships are, are in his home home country. And but that could also play a role in that game game type scenario that I was talking about. He can play overseas and then when their half season's done and the world championships are over, he could potentially be ready to come back. But I I I'm not a big fan of that scenario either, but Yeah, we what, all know that. What, Yeah, what do I know because I said don't get the band back together and look what look what's freaking happening. <laughs> but we also we all know that uh, for Krejci wearing that Czechia symbol on the jersey, that means a lot to him too. So he may be trying to find a way where he can do both. And and that's not completely out of the realm of possibility, but there is a certain criteria he would have to hit in order to qualify for the playoffs. And at that point, it becomes, is it even worth it for the Bruins team? You know, this is the team that we were talking about treading water this past season until guys came back from injury are we going to have the same narrative? They need to tread water until David Krejci comes back and 
January, like that just doesn't make much sense. They're going to build their team for what they know they have. I think that's one thing that we've learned about Don Sweeney. He plays out all the different scenarios and he plans for them. And to your point, I think that's what the Morgan Geeky signing allows him to do. There's a couple other ones in there. A lot of the guys that they went after play multiple positions so they can be shifted around. If Bergeron does decide to come back, now instead of having, you know, Coil, Zaka, Geeky down the middle as your top three in whatever order you want, now you can have Krej- uh, Bergeron, Zaka, Coil again. And, and Geeky can move out to the side. And, and it just allows for a lot of shifting, which whether it be later on this week's episode or next week's episode, I'm sure we're going to have plenty of talk about what our lineups are going to look like based off of the guys who signed qualifying offers, um, which is actually kind of the next thing that we roll into here. Um, they issued qualifying offers to a lot of guys, DiPietro, Trent uh, Frederick, Kyle Kaiser, Jacob Lauco, uh, Mark McLaughlin, uh, Mitchell Regula, and Walsh, all the three guys that they got in those two deals that we had mentioned. Jeremy Swayman got his qualifying offer, and the guys who didn't were Sam Asalen and Kai Weissman, which we kind of already knew going into the deadline. But um, wasn't Weissman the one who wanted to go back home to play overseas, so they just kind of let him go? Mark? Yeah, he was only signed to a one-year entry-level deal out of Germany. He played really well over there, and he also played really well in the World Championships this year for, for Team Germany. But I, I just don't think the Boston Bruins saw enough of him to, to really grasp on and give him an extra year. Um, I think that a lot of the Euros that come over and they play in the American Hockey League, it really takes them more than half of a year to really adjust to the, the smaller ice and things coming at, uh, coming at you quicker. Um, and I just didn't see – I saw his game get better towards the end of the year, but I think it was, like, too late by then. And the rumors of him going back to Germany were dating back to January of, uh, of this year. So uh, Samuel Asseline, uh, really offensively gifted when he was playing in the queue. But his game changed when he got to the pro level, and I just it kind of just tailed off from there. Um, but that's just what I saw down in Providence on the regular. Grace, what were your thoughts when you saw these guys get the qualifying offers? And, um, you know, who do you hope signs qualifying and who do you hope signs with just a standard contract? Yeah, I mean, I think for me, I wasn't terribly surprised about any of the um, qualifying offers that were put out there. Um, I think the... Obviously, it's good to see Trent Frederick, who I really like, and Swayman, who I really like, and also, like, I'm a big, like, McLaughlin fan. Um, so, I don't know. I'm I'm not terribly surprised. I'm interested to see what happens if those players are going to um, accept. And the one thing that it sort of raised in my head is I know there was talk, a little bit of buzz before, um, about Jeremy Swayman potentially going elsewhere. Um, obviously, we don't know if that is going to happen, could still happen. Um, but I guess for me, the, the bigger issue or bigger question that it raised is, you know, so are we running with with some of these, like, are we expecting some of these younger guys to end up in the lineup, in the NHL lineup, I should say? You know, is it McLaughlin's time? Are we going to see a lot of Lauko in the lineup? And then also, more importantly, are we, now are we set in stone on the Olmark Swayman tandem? I don't know. I don't know. It seems like maybe we are. Um, so this didn't really, not, like I said, none of it was really surprising, but it just sort of re 
raised a lot of the questions that I think we have and that we're waiting to see answered at this point. Um, but I don't know what, what, you know, what y'all think or what anybody thinks about is, is this, how many of these guys do we actually see not only accepting, but also ending up on, you know, the NHL roster, um, which I'm, you know, interested to see in all. Mark, who do you think ends up uh, signing their qualifying offer? I know before we sat down to record, we were talking about Kaiser kind of being an unexpected qualifying offer that was put out there just based on the goaltending situation. Um, which of these guys do you think are going to accept the QO and, and which ones, to, to Grace's point, do you think will accept it and also have a spot at the National Hockey League level? Uh, obviously, uh, you've got to gravitate to uh, Jeremy Swayman um, and what he's done for this organization and what he can do moving forward. I'm, I'm actually shocked that his qualifying offer is only $874,000. So he's going to get a significant bump in uh, in pay, I believe. Um I, I see Swayman coming back as an RFA with uh, Arbright. I, I see Frederick coming back. Same thing. Um, hopefully they're team-friendly deals that leave a little bit of wiggle room in case of a return for Patrice Bergeron or maybe somebody else that's available in free agency. I, I, I honestly think that the Boston Bruins are pretty much done signing free agents as of right now uh, unless something comes up. But, um, yeah, I mean, like like what Gail, Gail, um, what Grace said, um, earlier was, you know, the, there's going to be some young players that are going to be fighting for roster spots, but also the the, the list of, of players signed yesterday after free agency are the ones that are also going to be um, pushing for those young kids to prevent them from taking their job. So it's going to be a, a nice, healthy uh, balance of competition in, in training camp this coming season and so on. And and then if, if things don't work out at the NHL level in training camp, obviously there's going to be some waivers. Uh, the process happens every year. And some of those players will get filtered down to the American Hockey League Providence Bruins to help with the uh, the team's top uh, minor pro affiliate. So uh, I kind of think that there's a lot of good things that are happening. I know that, that they weren't like out-of-the-park amazing signings that everybody wants. But like I was telling Chris, like I was telling Chris earlier before you jumped on, Grace, was I'm really surprised that Don Sweeney and the management staff didn't like target like one or two players that that had you know good amount salaries you know they diversified their thoughts and and looked at it at a very wide spectrum and said we can get like seven guys at under a million dollars and their versatility will play a huge role regardless if it's the American Hockey League or the NHL you know, you, you got to have those break glass in case of emergency situations too. So, I'm kind of happy with the way with the way everything panned out in free agency. But I'm also really, really intrigued on how this roster is going to be constructed before the season starts in October. No, 100%. I was going to ask you: Do you anticipate looking at just what we have to work with right now? Do you anticipate there being? I feel like this season we didn't see a ton of that. Um, ton of the younger guys get into the lineup like I don't even know if this past season Mark McLaughlin even got it maybe if he did it was a couple games no um I know he did the year before um do you see this ne- next coming season being based on the signings we saw yesterday do you see more of those players being slotted in this season than they did last season or are we still going to see another repeat of really the only player we see going back and forth is you know Lauko 
Yeah, I, I could definitely see a little more of a youth movement this upcoming year, especially if Evan Gold and Don Sweeney want to be cap compliant and massage that salary cap, like much like uh, an unfortunate Jacob Lauco. You know, that guy was up and down 495 or 95, I'm sorry, <laughs> on the regular. But in most of it was paper transactions. I do understand that they don't actually, you know, drive down to Providence, get halfway there and turn right. around and go back to Boston. So. Um, but no, I, I could definitely see Mark McLaughlin playing a little more of a role. In, but this is all contrived on, on if they have a really good camp and they impress. If you know, if they're going to beat out a current vet that was just signed for under a million dollars, then it's all good. You know, you earned your spot, and you're, and it's at a cap friendly move too. So, um, yeah. But the the youth movement is also constricted on on how the cap is going to be managed. Uh, like they, much like what happened last year, Felino, Riley, and and a few others got waived to start the season and be cap compliant, and then they got brought back in. So uh, it's it's going to be interesting on how everything unfolds. To be honest, yeah. Hopefully, the team is the one paying for the tolls uh, when it comes to those <laughs> easy pass. <laughs> yeah, easy pass. That way, there you just turn around. Don't worry, it's on us. So, uh, <laughs> but you mentioned development camp which is next week right now, this week coming up, uh, just starting off tomorrow. And um, I, Mark, you guys are going to be there. Uh, you'll be there with, um, I believe, is it Mike and Chris from b uh, Mike, Mike Sullivan is unfortunately not going to be able to make it. He's going to try to get to at least one game, possibly fr- Friday. But um, we, we uh, our black and gold's, uh, production sports media company did get uh, full credentials for all next week, so uh, I'll be there uh, all week. And and uh, Chris Davis, new BNG member, and um, the Dropping the Mitts uh, hockey podcast host on the BNG Network, he'll be joining me as well because I requested that we have one writer and like one cameraman um, go in there and get content. And and speaking of camera, check out this baby that I bought recently for the for this opportunity it is a unbelievable piece of equipment here this is called the zoom and it's a 4k and uh i can't wait to use this starting tomorrow to get some content out there for the for the bruins fans and listeners and all supporters i'm really excited about this uh this this camp we get to see a lot of these new players that uh, have been drafted, get to interact with them. You know, basically, it's a character building uh, exercise all week to find out what the you know how these guys uh, present themselves in a professional environment. But I do want to um, quickly just go through the list of players that were invited to this development camp, and we'll start with the forwards: uh, Riley Duran, Andre Gasau, Brett Harrison, Beckett um, Hendrickson, Oscar Yelovic. Trevor Kuntar, who is not participating on ice. He is injured, so he will be doing uh, off-ice stuff. Uh, Riley Kerwin, which is a camp invite. Uh, Dan's Lockmellis, Fabian Lysel, Kaspers Nassen, uh, Quinn Olson, Owen Peterson, Chris Pelosi, Matt Portras, uh, Jake Quillian, who is a uh, camp invite and will be participating on off-ice um, activities. Jake Smaltz and uh, Kyle um, Cole Spicer and Ryan Walsh uh, for the f- defensemen: Frederick Brunet, Jackson Edward, Ty Gallagher, uh, Christian 
Kostaniski. I can't say those words, but I did it anyway. Mason uh, Langenbrunner, Mason Lowry, Ryan Mast, uh, Jonathan Myrenberg, uh, Ethan Ritchie. Wow, how weird is that? A uh, Ritchie is back. Anyway, uh, and hey, Blake Smith. Oh, wait. <laughs> yeah. And uh, for the goalies, uh, I cannot, I think it's Heleb, Artsin Bonoff, um, Reed Dick, <laughs> uh, Derek Malani, and uh, Philip Svetabak. So that is your list uh, of players attending. Uh, the development camp is in, um, in Brighton, Massachusetts. It's a Warrior Ice Arena, and that facility is open to the public next week. So uh, start times, I, um, they have it scheduled from 9 uh, to, I think, one thirty in the afternoon. So uh, if you're not doing anything, it is the 4th of July week, so if you do happen to have vacation and so on, and uh, bring the kids down, check out the prospects. Um, I, I like it particularly because I'm not a heat guy, so if it's hot out, I'm going to be in an ice-cold rink all week. Uh, so getting some work done. So And also, if you're going to development camp, uh, you know, hit me up. Uh, I'd love to come down and say hello and, and chat with you and possibly give uh, get some uh, interviews with, with some fans that are in attendance and get their feeling about what they're seeing at development camp. And not only that, the upcoming year for the Boston Bruins. With those hours, I might be able to sneak down for a day, maybe two, but hopefully I'll keep my fingers crossed for one um, just because I got a lot going on this week. Um, but By the way, congratulations on the new job. Thank you. I start next week on that. So that's what I'm saying. I might be able to squeeze some time in where I can get down to Warrior for one of those days. So I'll I'll keep my fingers crossed. But um, anybody of those the list, who are you guys keeping your eyes on the most uh, as far as feedback, as far as, you know, uh, growth? Grace, I'm going to start with you. There's a couple names that jump off the page to me. I'm sure once we mention them, Mark will have nothing but good things to say about them and, and – and all that, t- and, and he'll have his own list, which is definitely probably not exactly the same as ours. So I'll let you go first. Yeah, I think that um, the one that stands out to me the most, and I think that we've sort of seen a lot of buzz about it on Twitter, um, is Lysel. I think the, the biggest questions in terms of any player that we have, you know, at the who are going to be at development camp, he's the one that I really feel like audience audience being Bruins fans and Bruins Twitter is really divided on. Like you see half of the feels like Bruins fans who are like, this guy is the future. He's going to really deliver for us. And then you have the other half who are like, he's not even kind of ready. I don't know when he's going to be ready. Um, So I think he's the one that has the most, um, that I have the most questions about. I know somebody tweeted, might've been um, Brett from the only Bruins podcast mentioned like, put him on like a line or like a potential projected line and everybody lost it. Everybody was, everybody was like, this is the worst line I've ever seen. How could you even say that Lysel is going to be there? Um, but I think that, you know, he's the one that we've historically had these questions about. I think he's the one that there's the most pressure on just in terms of where he was picked in the draft and where um, you, you sort of expect your, you know, drafted players to be. So I think he's the one that I'm definitely going to be keeping an eye on. Obviously I've heard a lot of hype about um, Dick at the goaltender level. Um, I also think that there's, uh, it's going to be interesting um, with, I have no idea how to say his name. Is it Poitras or is it Poitras? Do we know? It's Poitras. Okay. I think that he's also a big one to look at. 
What, Chris? What are you? What are you laughing about? We were getting hit, uh, Mark and Kevin, in our comments on Wednesday night, trying to tell us, me and Andrew, how it's pronounced. Oh yeah. Uh, trying to spell it out phonetically, and Andrew and I, there's probably a good five minutes of us just sitting there going "patwa." Yeah, I'm gonna. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to practice it. Um, but he's another one, obviously, that you have to keep an eye on. But yeah, for me, those are the three that I'm most excited to sort of see what happens. Again, I think Lysel more because there's just, I feel like it, there's so many expectations, so much uncertainty at the same time. So I'm super excited to see what happens and also to, um, you know, hear about what, what Mark and the other Chris see uh, while they're there and, and hopefully get some some vibes from the fans that are there too. I'd like to hear who other people are excited about. So for, for me, one of the key names that I'm circling is actually Brett Harrison because mm-hmm. people in the organization have been high on him as a center position, which is obviously a huge future need for this organization, whether it's this year, next year. At some point, we need some a, a boost down the middle. And from my understanding, Harrison has the tools to be able to come that top centerman you know, top six kind of guy that this team is really going to need. He's left shot. He's six, two right now. He's about one eighty five ish. He's playing for the Windsor Spitfires, right? If I remember correctly. So just watching him or he was with the Spitfires. Yeah. He came over to Providence uh, when that season was over. Um, But he didn't get a lot of time in Providence. So I want to see where he's at with some of these other guys, because this is the kind of guy that, you know, depending on how ready he is, half a season, full season in the AHL, we could be looking at our, I don't want to say our Bergeron replacement because, let's face it, no one is Patrice Bergeron. No one's going to win the Selkie as many times as he has. But just a, a down-the-middle threat that this team needs quicker than we really want to admit, ultimately. So other names that, that you might be looking at, Mark, uh, not – the ones that we mentioned. I'm sure you're going to be looking at those guys too heavily. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm really intrigued about Brett Harrison and how he's going to do this offseason. I think he's going to be staying in the Boston area because he is set to play a full season of uh, AHL hockey for Providence next year. Um, and like you guys said, you know, uh, Matthew Poitois, um, I'm really intrigued about him. He had a good camp last year. Um, um, who else? Uh, uh, Chris Pelosi, a recently drafted big kid. I, I can't wait to see all these newly drafted players put, you know, show their skills and so on in front of the brass, but also uh, fans in attendance. Um, uh, who else? Fabian Lysel and uh, Dan's Lockmelis. I'm, I'm really intrigued by both of those guys. I want to see more of Fabian. Um, and, and this development camp, just to clarify. For four days, it's basically one-on-one individual kind of drills and so on. And Friday, the last day, is traditionally the scrimmage day. So it's really hard to judge a player and and his development on individual, like, skills and so on, like these development camps. I mean, if there was, like, five straight days of games, I would like to see – I would love to see that because you get to see – how much Fabian Lysel is learning the two-way game, not only with the with when he has the puck because he's electric, um, but it's the game away from the puck that he needs to work on. Um, defensemen, I just uh, Jackson Edward and Mason Langenbrunner and Ryan Mast. I want to see those guys and Mason Lowry. I want to see all those guys work with um, a guy like Adam McQuaid for that physicality. 
uh, aspect of the game. I think Adam McQuaid's a great person to lean on for that. You know, where to position yourself safely. Don't put yourself in vulnerable positions to get yourself hurt as a bigger body player. Um, and the goaltenders, I'm always high on Reed Dick. Uh, I think he was a great pick uh, last year. His numbers are not going to translate very well when you look at his stats, but it's about the increased uh, workload that he got last season, and um, and it's all about development. I, I don't tear him apart for the numbers. It's about how he's developing at this point. And also Phillips Vedebeck. I'm, I'm a goalie guy, so and he went to Providence last year, so I'm interested to see uh, him and his workouts this season, uh, this uh, this development camp. Yeah, the goalie position is going to be very interesting because, Grace, you mentioned it earlier, the team had been potentially shopping Allmark for that um, team pick. I think it was like 14th overall from Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. Obviously, the trigger never got pulled on it, but if one of these guys shows that they can kind of move up the ladder a little bit, that almost, if not, confirms that you can move on from one of the current guys, whether your choice is Swayman, whether your choice is Allmark, bump bussy up into that secondary spot and and it just changes what you're able to do if you have another goaltender like a, a reed dick or svedback in the system where he allows you to move somebody else up into the next stage of their development because they take over where that person was so um i'm looking forward to development camp uh, any other final thoughts as far as what to, to look for? Um, Mark, I did have a question. Some fans might be wondering why a guy like Georgie Merkulov might not be at this development camp. Um, just if you want to go into some of the details as to why some of the more known prospects might not be there this year, uh, just so that some of our less avid fan base can, can gain that understanding. Uh, most of the time, it's a it's an age thing. You kind of graduate from the from the development camp stages. Um, that's probably most likely why uh, some of them might be traveling. It, it is the off season, so if they have previous previous plans made, that they have like a, an excuse not to go. Um, but that's basically basically it. And also to clarify on um, you know NCAA uh, participants at development camps, the NCAA allows this particular window. Um, after the draft and so on, for these uh, guys to go and do these camps because they consider this a non-professional environment. And when they when the NCAA looks at a professional environment, that is like training camp coming up in September, October, whatever. Um, if a NCAA player plays in that, they could possibly forfeit their scholarship. So that's kind of important to know that the NCAA players can be here now, but later on it's 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 not a good idea if they want to go back to school um but yeah it's, a lot of players they, they, they just graduate out of it it's nothing that they're not they're not injured or anything like that just it's just you know and we have camp invites uh, for players like that it gives a, a, a local kid or somebody that they've had their eye on the scout to, to get close by and and evaluate appropriately for possible you know um insertion in in the ex in the next uh, season, or even like um, you sign as a free agent the following summer. So there's plenty of evaluations that are going to be done at these development camps that can work for the now and the future. Uh, I was going to say, Grace, do you have any final thoughts going into development camp? We have our final major topics coming up, the free agency frenzy, those who came in, those who left. But before we do that, we do have to hear from our, our partners over at FanDuel. So I wanted to see if you had any 
final thoughts on any of the stuff we've already gone over before we hit the meat and potatoes of this episode, free agency, the frenzy, and all that stuff after we hear from our, our friends over at FanDuel? Oh, let's let's bring on the meat and potatoes. I'm ready. I'm hungry. <laughs> I'm also a vegetarian, so specifically the potatoes I'll, I'll go for. All righty. Mark, any final thoughts from you? Absolutely not. I'm ready to hear from FanDuel stuff. All righty, folks, with baseball season in full swing, there's no better place than to uh, get in on the action than FanDuel. It's America's number one sports book uh, because right now new customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. Uh, that's up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. That's insurance for if you lose your bet, you get your money back. So just go to FanDuel.com slash Boston to join today. Uh, Mark, I know... You're not a huge baseball guy, but I'm sure you're throwing some bets in on that. And I know golf is in your window, too. Oh, yeah. Any, oh, anything yeah. major there for you? Yeah, definitely going to get in on the golf uh, this Thursday. I'm not exactly sure where the tournament is. I didn't do my homework on that. I'm a little hung cheese today, thanks to this one down here. Uh, so, But, no, Red Sox baseball, I'm going to be batting, probably playing against them because it seems to work very well. And uh, other teams, too. You know, I, I get on the, uh, the, uh, the 10... 10 player parlay for at least one hit and sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't but it's a it's a nice fun way to do it and as we get into the free agency frenzy now's a good time to jump in on some of the early bets for next season for the nhl because some of those bets are going to be able to pay out long if you get them right so uh don't miss your chance to snag a no sweat first bet up to a thousand dollars when you join fanduel today just go to fanduel.com slash boston to sign up FanDuel, it's the official partner of Major League Baseball. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission and uh, must be 21 plus in present in Massachusetts. First online real money wager only. $10 deposit required. Refund issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at FanDuel.com sportsbook. And hope is here. Gambling help line ma.org or call 800 800- Three two seven five zero five zero for twenty four seven support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call eight hundred GAM one two three four. So after hearing from our fans over at our partners over at FanDuel, uh, free agency set the world ablaze and broke down Twitter yesterday. So <laughs> uh, the National Hockey League single handedly took down. Elon Musk's Twitter, and if you weren't paying close enough to attention, you probably missed some of the signings. Um, We're going to start right here because, Mark, I know you hate this one, and we've mentioned it a few times. Grace, you love this one. Boston Bruins signed Milan Lucic to a $1 million contract with incentives. I'm going to start with you. We're going to get the negative side of this deal from you first. I'm with you on it, too. But I understand the other side. Then we'll get to you, Grace. I promise. Mark, here comes deal. Here comes old man yelling at Cloud again. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, hey, listen, I'm just not a fan of the deal. I, I, I understand the optics of it and so on, and I understand he's a fan favorite. I, if we, if I could ever get Milan Lucic for the first four years of his career, I would be so happy to have him back. But he's. He's getting older. His skills are declining. But for nostalgia reasons, it's great. And, and you know what? It's probably going to boost jersey sales for Jeremy Jacobs' pocket. So solid PR move by the uh, Bruins uh, management. 
You know, I really hated it, but it is what it is. People like me cannot change the future outlook of this Boston Bruins team or what happens within it. So, yes, it addresses a certain need. Uh, you know, I, I think by having him, um, you know, obviously shelter his minutes. Um, use him in situations where you know that there's another guy that's going to possibly go after a younger member of your team and try to disrupt the, the flow of, a, of an individual game. But having a player like him on that bench for that intimidating factor, I get that. I get it. And he's a tough son of a bitch, and everybody loves when he, when he fights and so on. So I get that as well. But overall, I just think it was a, it's a huge PR move that's under a million dollars or maybe just a little shy over with the bonuses. I don't think it's I don't think it's bad, but I don't think it's also great either. Grace, I can see the smile. You're you're pumped for this signing. I am, and maybe it's I think there's a couple reasons I think that I I am excited about it. One, I actually do think that at this point where we're at, I've made a point on Twitter about it that I just don't know how picky Don Sweeney and as an extension of that Bruins fans can be based on the situation that we were in. We needed cheap players. We needed veteran players. We, and and we didn't just get that. And obviously we'll talk about the other pickups that we added, but I want to make clear that it's not like we only picked up Milan Lucic, um, who is obviously an aging vet in the league, but he's always expressed interest in Boston. Um, He is certainly, he is, he has his flaws and, uh, I think a lot of people, the criticisms have been the speed, um, also his, you know, ability to make those breakouts um, in a in a productive way with the young fellows that it also kind of looks like he might be on a line with. I know we can't really fantasize or hypothesize too much about what the lines are going to look like, but I know Steve was always on the, uh, the USDA certified beef, having Lucic back, getting beef he literally commented on my tweet when i when i uh said that lucy just coming back he said beef um and i think that uh so that for me the excitement comes because i think that he you know of all the options that we had in the free agency class was not very strong i am okay with it i also i and and i'm usually the one who's critical of the whole boston nostalgia thing that the jacobs cam neely and don sweeney seem to get off on um, but I, I'm also excited about it, I think, because the last time he was here, I was younger. I don't think I fully appreciated it. Um, so maybe more on a, like a personal level, I'm excited. I feel like, you know, I wasn't as into hockey back in the day, you know, I was a lot younger. Um, but I also just think that it's, it's a good, you're right. It's a good opportunity to see a, a fan favorite, um, and I'm not, I'm not ready to do, I, I think that he has a chance to prove himself that he still has a lot to offer, especially to a team that means a lot to him and that, you know, means a lot to him. Um, and I think he's going to add something to the locker room too. I, I don't, I don't discredit that. Um, he's been around the league. He's been, you know, he's played a lot of hockey in his career. Um, and so I'm looking forward to sort of seeing where it, it, it pans out, but I, I get the criticism. I do. I understand it. I know that he wasn't what everybody wanted. Um, I wasn't, I'm not on about getting the band back together. Okay. That's not it for me. I just think that given the options, he's a player who loves Boston and who wanted to be in Boston and who I think is going to at least contribute, you know, somewhat productively. But, um, yeah, so that's where I'm at. I'm excited about it. If you're out there and you're excited about it, you're not alone. Don't listen to people like, like Mark and Chris who are yelling 
old man yelling at Cloud. I'm excited for it. So I'm with you all. Yeah, exactly. Look, there's positives <laughs> in, in every move. And to your point, he will bring something to the locker room. I think a lot of what he brings to the locker room is what you saw leave with Nick Foligno. Um, and and he will be leaned upon in the bottom six role. And you know what? For like, To your point, there's not a lot of guys that you're going to go out and get for a million bucks who don't have, whether it's we're hoping for the upside, we're hoping to recover from injury, we're hoping there's always hope with the guys that are signing for a million bucks. You know, even even a guy like Frederick, you're, you're hoping he signs for a bridge deal, you know, 1.52 million, you know, maybe his qualifying offer. You hope he still has what he did last year in him again and again and again. So when you're when you're making a gamble on a guy like that, at least Lucic, one, to your point, has the right attitude about coming in where if he doesn't see his name in the starting 12, he's not going to bitch, piss and moan about it. He's not going to become a bad locker room guy about it. He he's still going to be even from the ninth floor. The, the, the guy cheering on the team, the, the supportive leader who, you know, I, I hate to go back to a negative time, but, you know, Nathan Horton, when he was hurt, you know, he was still cheerleading from the ninth floor and still acting in a certain role that even though he couldn't bring it on the ice, whether Lucic has it on the ice or not, he can bring that mentality, that positive vibes to the locker room. A lot of what you saw leave in Nick Felino in that bottom six and, if you're not asking him to do a, a whole hell of a lot, then you're not relying on him for a whole hell of a lot, which is also a good thing. So if it's not costing you a lot, it's not as bad. But I just, I, as long as he plays that role, I'm okay with it. I don't want to see him take away minutes from a guy like Lauko, from a guy like McLaughlin, or you know, any you know, Steen, somebody on the bottom six who is fighting for a spot, a Johnny Beecher guy, someone like that. If they're playing well enough for the role, he needs to know it's his job to sit on the ninth floor and cheer from there and let these kids come up. If he's got that attitude and he's willing to do it, I'll take him for a million bucks. You, you, you're not overspending him for a guy like that because there's oh, there's a lot of ways that you can waste a million dollars and have a buyout bite you in the ass later on down the road. We're not going to get into that too, too much because uh, they did sign other players. So, you know, we're not going to go to last year's bad signings. Um, you also got on a million dollars, James Van Riemsdyk. And this was another one. I think this one really hit in a lot of positive ways for the Bruins. So we're going to talk about the Van Riemsdyk signing. And then we have to hear from our fans over at Action Electronics. Mark, what was your thoughts on the Van Riemsdyk signing? Grace, we'll get to you just after. I, a solid veteran that's been in the league for a while, um, knows how to get to the net, um, a big body too, you know, uh, former UNH guy, which is kind of cool. Um, I thought it was a good signing and like the money was not bad for a player like him at his age, but I think that he still offers something that the Bruins still need. And that's a little bit, and I'm not saying it's his physicality and so on, but it's just that bigger body that kind of like Nick Foligno, that real tough son of a bitch to get away from the net where uh, a Van Riemsdyk could be to cause havoc for incoming shots from the point or maybe even to just cause some traffic for uh, another player to, to crash the net and so on. I think he still provides a valuable role. Uh, and obviously it remains to be seen if he translates that into uh, the Boston Bruins, um, you know, when he wears the uh, black and gold this upcoming season. But 
I, I don't hate the move. I, I think he's still got some uh, decent, um, you know, a, a decent skill set offensively that could spark, um, you know, more creativity in his game when he's got, like, complementary players uh, around him like the we do with the current core that we have right now. So I think it's I think it's going to work out. Hopefully it does, and hopefully can stay healthy. Great. So what was your thoughts when you saw that one come across? Yeah, I'm a really big... I'm a big fan of both um, the Van Riemsdyk, the brothers. Um, I just always have been, and in general, I also I think I have a I have a same reason I was sad about uh, Hathaway. I I love people who come in who are from New England or went to school in New England and come back. Um, so I think that there's a, a there's a lot of excitement there for me, but I also do think that he's. The one thing that I think we really need is we need reliability. And I actually think he is a reliable player. He's not going to, maybe he won't be, you know, making the big plays. I'm not saying he's a Charlie McAvoy because he's not, or a Hampus Lindholm. He's not. Um, but A, he's been playing on a really bad team. Um, and I mentioned this yesterday on the live stream. He, he's been playing for a team that sucks um, and has not been able to produce a lot offensively. So I think that giving him the opportunity to sort of show what he still might be capable of here is really important and I'm excited to see. Um, but like I said, I think that he is just a reliable player. I think that we've had a lot of issues um, on D in terms of when can we count on Forbert? When were we able to count on Clifton? Um, when were we able to count on Matt Grizzlick? Because you you did see them have their ups and downs. Um, and I think that he's a player that is, he's older, um, he's big, and he's just has the experience, I think, that is going to be important, especially with, you know, changes to the lineup. It's going to be good to have that stability at the back. He's just a guy that I think we're going to be able to trust to, you know, obviously everybody makes mistakes, but I think he's going to be somebody who's reliable at the back end. Um which I think we were hurting for. So I'm excited about it. I also think he's a great person. He's always out in the community um, in Philadelphia. And, um, you know, just he's a team player. He always commits fully to whatever position he's in. So I'm really excited. I really like him for not a lot of money. Um, I think he's exactly sort of what we were expecting in free agency. And I'm excited that he was the one we ended up getting. So, Yeah, and I think at 34 years old, you know, when the contract's over at 35, he still has a couple years left this is going to be a solid year for him to reestablish himself in mm-hmm. um, in a different uniform to your point and not just I'm on a bad team. So my numbers are low. It's, this is what I can do with the right players around me. Um, it'll be interesting to see where he does slot in the lineup, obviously with them not re-signing some of the guys that they have not uh, opted to re-sign Bertuzzi being one of them, shipping out hall being another, what line does he fit on in that regard? Cause he is a solid two way kind of guy. Uh, just not sure if he's, you know, in your third on your third line, second line, and and that's something that we'll get to talk more about with the lineup uh, after we hear uh, from our friends over at Action Electronics. Mark, did you have any final thoughts on JVR or any final thoughts on JVR from you, Grace? Before we hear from those guys, I'm good. Alrighty. So for over 30 years, Action Electronics, a Walpole, Massachusetts company, has been the leading source of value-added time-saving supply chain solutions. Visit us online at actionelectronics.com. Give their customer service a call at 508-668-3131 and follow the company's social media accounts, facebook.com slash actionelectronics, twitter.com slash aesupplychain, 
Instagram.com slash Action Electronics. You guys all know how social media works. You can also follow Action Electronics YouTube channel at Action Electronics TV. Do you have any other questions about the, the partnership we have with Action Electronics before we dive into the uh, into the rest of free agency here? Uh, uh, great people over there at Action Electronics. They continue to support us. Uh, and help us pay the bills here, and we we love moving uh, their their company forward because uh, there's people out there that have supply chain issues. It happens all the time. It happens where I work. It happens where everybody works. These are a great these are great people that can figure out those uh, those speed bumps in in the road of uh, getting uh, the stuff that you need. Um, and these guys work really well with everybody. So, yeah, definitely give them a call. If you have any supply chain problems, they uh, will be gladly to help. Awesome. So, uh, Grace, I'm going to toss this one over to you first. Uh, Morgan Geeky signed um, probably the most lucrative deal that Boston handed out yesterday, which was the, the $2 million for two years. Uh, centerman, winger, um, he's 24 years old, $2 million for two years. Thoughts on that deal when that one came down? Yeah, I'm actually a really big Morgan Geeky fan. I was um, even prior to uh, him signing with the Bruins. I, It was so funny yesterday. I was in the live stream. I was saying, like, what I want is I want a player on our team with a colored visor. Um, and it's funny. He's really the best known one, one of only a couple in the National Hockey League or the American Hockey League that does use a tinted visor. Um, so I was excited just about that in general. Um, but I also I think that he is a great pickup. I honestly wasn't expecting it. He's a really young, talented guy who I think has a lot to offer. Um, he already showed it playing for the Kraken that were, you know, they were very um they were they were a good team don't get me wrong um but i don't think that he had as many opportunities to shine and to uh score and assert himself um that on that team as he might now coming to the to the bruins so i'm excited i i think there is some uncertainty about you know where is he going to play are we looking at him as a potential replacement for patrice bergeron is he going to play in the center of the ice because he can play the center and wing pretty reliably um in both scenarios so i i i'm excited about that i think that i think especially considering we were really expecting a lot of these veteran players to sort of make up the the bulk of our free agency signings which they did um with you know Lucic, Van Riemsdyk, and Shattenkirk, who I know we'll talk about. Um, but Geeky's a very young and talented guy. He's got a lot of speed. He's also huge. Um, and I think he's going to have a meaningful impact. You know, this is not a guy that's going to be playing in the AHL. He is going to have a reliable roster spot. Um, I, I'm Like I said, I don't want to, you know, take too many guesses about the lines because there's still so much uncertainty. But he's a really great player. For anybody who hasn't seen him play, definitely look up his highlights for the Kraken, especially in the playoffs. He was killing it right after his wife had had uh, their first baby, and then he came back and he was on fire out there. So he's super fun to watch, and I think that um, I think he's going to become a fan favorite. I already want his jersey, so I'm excited to see what he can do um, and and how he can deliver for a team that I think is going to be competitive and, and is going to give him opportunities to shine that he maybe didn't have playing for the Kraken. Yeah, definitely one of the underrated guys over in Seattle. Um, Mark, what was your thoughts when you saw him? Obviously, a former guy from Carolina, draft pick. Uh, he was a third-round pick when he was selected, so uh, clearly not on the path that I think most people would have projected for him, but 
still, as, as, like Grace said, a solid player. What were your thoughts when you saw the Bruins bring him in on such a team-friendly deal? Because that's what this ultimately looks like it's going to be. Yeah, um, both sides worked very well to get this done. And I think this addresses a, um, a break glass in case of emergency type scenario. If David Krejci is not coming back, this is type your type of insurance policy right there to seamlessly fit somebody right in. And, and to get a player at the right time and not wait, I think, was a, was a really good on this Bruins management to, to see that. Um, but it also, like we talked about the pre-show, it also opens up opportunities for Geeky to possibly use some of that versatility that he might have and move uh, to the wing if if uh, Krejci and Bergeron come back or if they leave, you could you, you know slot them slot him in pretty much anywhere in the second third line and so on. I don't see him being a fourth liner at all. I think he's got too much skill for that. Um, but I think it's a solid addition. I really don't know much about him. I'm still in the learning phase of all these these players that got picked up yesterday because I was wicked busy with uh, being drunk on a live stream and then writing articles uh, before that, uh, just getting caught up with all the news. So it's still trying to get in my head of uh, all these acquisitions that the, the team made yesterday. But I like this certain um, addition. I think that uh, maybe uh, you know getting out of Seattle and into Boston and having maybe a culture change might spark his creativity and be a little bit of a better offensive um, forward moving forward. So uh, I'm excited for the move. I think it was it was good, but it was also one that needed to address not only the now but possibly the future. Yeah, definitely someone, at least from what I've been able to read up on on him, you know, middle six, center, right wing kind of guy, you know, second, third line. If you need to shake things up mid-game, you can throw him with your top-line guys because he can keep up speed-wise. Uh, but talent level-wise, he should settle in somewhere in that middle in the middle six area. Um, but a guy that, again, we were talking about it, if Bergeron comes back, he can kick over to the wing. Zaka could kick over to the wing. You have Bergeron, Zaka, Coyle down the middle like you hope to have. Or you have Bergeron, Coyle, Geeky down the middle with Zaka kicking over to the wing. Like, there's just so much Swiss Army knife movement that can be had. But at the same time, if Bergeron says, hey, you know what, I'm done, Zaka, Koyo, Geeky down the middle as your one, two, three. Again, is that is he the third-line center of a Stanley Cup-winning team? Obviously, yet to find out. But that also comes down to, you know, would, would Coyle be the number two C and Zaka be the one C on a Stanley Cup-winning team? Uh, Probably not, but at the same time, it all comes down to how they play together. And and a lot of these guys that we're talking about, Lucic wants to be in Boston, Coyle wants to be in Boston. You know, if you have a, a very positive locker I'll be room. Back. Okay. Um, uh, should I keep going? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Positive <laughs> locker room. Go ahead. If you have a positive locker room of guys who want to be here, then the guys who, you know, haven't yet bought in or who are trying to buy their spots see the positivity they they flow off the positivity and it really just builds in a positive way um you know and and being able to rid yourself of some of the guys who may not have the um the the longevity of such a positive attitude and and not to pick on him but a guy like jack ashan he's been in the system for a while he's been overlooked a few times maybe the grumblings with him Again, time for a new look for him. He got it over in Colorado. Good for him. Best of luck for him. 
they have their own issues. He's going to get some opportunities, which is what he's looking for. Um, it's on him now. And, and if he doesn't take it, then he'll know why Boston kept holding him back and, and whatnot. So have, but having a guy like that, a guy like Mike Riley mumbling in the locker room, mm-hmm. down in Providence isn't going to help some of the, the positive guys that you want to help build up the Lysels, the Lorais, you know, whoever else goes down there, clearing out the bad flow of the locker room is never a bad thing. Yeah. And, and I think that across the board, you know, when we're looking at, you hate to think about being a team that has to rebuild and has to rebuild like ground up. Um, obviously you'll have, you know, up and down years, but I think it's, it's especially important in those years when you're, you know, looking to the future a little bit, where are we going to be when these, these important vets retire, you know, when, when for sure Bergeron and Krejci are gone, when for sure Marshawn is gone, um, when for sure, you know, even like, obviously he's still very young, but like eventually Charlie Coyle won't be here. Eventually, you know, these players that we see as the foundation of the Boston team, they're not going to be here. So you want to believe that even these younger guys are going to buy into the system that Boston has built, which is, I think something that makes us really strong as a team is, is commitment to the city of Boston commitment to being a Bruin. Um, and you don't want guys that aren't going to buy into that. And you're right. We saw it with Jack Ashan, um, and Mike Riley, not, they didn't have very valid reasons for being frustrated in the situation they were in. Um, I want to look to, you know, like a guy like Jacob Lauco, I think has really bought into being a Bruin and has, has shown that even through the ups and downs, like we said of going, you know, back and forth, especially towards down <laughs> the back and forth was a lot. And to see him really buy into it, I think means a lot, not only to, to, you know, the fans, but also to the people on, you know, the Providence Bruins and, and all of the guys around him seeing like, Hey, here's a guy who's fighting for a spot. He's doing what he can that I want that to be me. I want to take the steps necessary to make that be me. Um, and so I think that's why it, it's, it's so important to, you know, clear out the bad juju and sort of focus on the, the people that are really committed and who are going to be successful. Um, and we saw just that difference already with like Jake DeBrusque when we didn't see him as much buying into the system, you know, the 2021, 2022 season. Um, and then fortunately when we sort of had a change of um, leadership, we sort of saw that when he really bought into it, he, he delivered. And so I don't know, I'm excited to see what those changes, both the, you know, the outflow and the influx of players does to, um, you know, how can we make them buy into the system? How can we make them want to be here um, is going to be really important going forward. And a guy that I know Mark has talked about before who just got uh, his two-year ELC, a guy like Luke Toporowski. Mark, where mm-hmm. do you see him fitting in? Because it's a two-year ELC. I'm pretty sure he's waiver exempt, so he can go up and down between the two clubs. But he had a hell of a year for Providence last year. Um wasn't he the one that got hurt though? That um, had Merculov slide over. No, that was Vinny Letary. Letary oh, went. Uh, okay. Letary got called up to the Boston Bruins, uh, participated in like five minutes of practice, and like got a um, uh, sprained ankle, I believe. Something like <clears> that. Um, yeah. But. Uh, Luke Luke did have a solid first year in the American Hockey League with the Providence Bruins as a first-year pro out of the uh, WHL. I believe it was a Spokane Chiefs, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but he's an undersized forward that's got a little bit of grit. He, I mean, he plays in the dirty areas, doesn't give up. He's fast, an unbelievable shot, really good set of skills. Um, 
and somebody that the Boston Bruins obviously are very interested in. Uh, his father was an absolute badass back in the day. That guy, like, hundreds and hundreds of penalty minutes a year. So, you know, he's got some pedigree and so on, some professional pedigree. Um, and I, I'm, I'm frankly, I said this on the live stream last night, I'm actually shocked that it took this long for them to get him under under wraps. And did ha- did the the max uh, contracts of 50 have something to do with that, where it's a little more, you know, relaxed uh, in the offseason here and they were able to do it. But I could see Luke being a, a bottom six type of guy in the NHL sometime soon. I'm not going to predict when he's going to get it. Um, he might get some thank you games this season, uh, but I don't see any full-time work from him at least coming uh, for another full year. But a solid depth player, another break class in case of emergency. He's on a two-way deal, so it's an NHL pro contract. He can come up and, and, and hopefully make an impact and, and, and provide um, some good positive evaluation you know, techniques for the Boston Bruins brass to, to continue to keep him in the, um, in the projections for the, uh, a future roster spot. Hopefully uh, Milan Lucic doesn't get in the way of someone like him getting a thank you game or something like that. Those are the types of things that, you know, Grace, that I'm talking about when I say Milan Lucic, don't get in the way, but it's okay if you're here kind of thing. Um, We also have guys like Patrick Brown, Anthony Richard, uh, Jason Megna, all who signed contracts who are, again, lower in the lineup kind of guys that who were brought in. Um, uh, uh, Is it Watherspoon? Is that how it's pronounced? Watherspoon, yeah. Watherspoon. And then, obviously, Grace, you mentioned Kevin Shattenkirk. uh, In my opinion, a solid, solid replacement for Connor Clifton, who got his bag over in Buffalo. Good for him. Uh, What was it? A nice three by three million dollars or something like that. Three and a half. So, you know, solid, solid move for them as they look to solidify their defense. But. I mean, McAvoy, Carlos Shattenkirk looks pretty damn good down the right side for me if I'm Boston. Mm-hmm. I, I think so, too. And I, I know that um, I have some friends who are, are pretty big uh, Anaheim fans, and they have, you know, all along been very high on Shattenkirk's leadership as a veteran. Um, I think that he is a great locker room guy. Um, I think that he also, like I said, when I was talking about um, James Van Riemsdyk, I think that he's a, a reliable, a reliable player on the back end, which is super important um, in, in a, in a team that has, you know, as we've talked about, sort of had those fluctuations um, at the defensive level. So I'm excited to see him. I think it's a, st- uh, not a, necessarily a steal, but I think it's a great deal. I think it's pretty much where I was expecting a guy like him to go and a, a guy that I think, the Bruins needed to sign at that level. Um, I think that he's, he, he is definitely a good replacement for Connor Clifton. I did not want to pay that amount of money for Connor Clifton. I think he's a really good player. I think he needs a team that is going to buy into him a little bit more than the Bruins were willing to. Um, and I think he's going to do great. And I think he's going to be a great player. And I honestly, I'm excited for him because I think um, Buffalo's on the way up um, and they have a lot to look forward to going forward. Um, so I'm excited for that, but I agree. I think Shattenkirk was a great pickup, exactly what we needed um, for the price that we needed him at. Um, and he is one of those guys I think is really going to buy into being a Bruin. And he, he did it in Anaheim on a team that was not good. Um, and he was a good veteran leader. He was a good person in the locker room. So I'm excited to see what happens. I think he's a great pickup. So 
also was teammates with Hampus Lindholm over in Anaheim True. as well. So, uh, Mark, True. how do you see Shattenkirk fitting in? Obviously, I think given the dollars that, that they all have, it would go McAvoy, Carlo, Shattenkirk down the right side. But how do you see fitting him in with the other defensive pairings, the guys on the left side? Who do you think he'd be a good fit with? Um, I know some people have talked about using him on the power play. So could that see a guy like a puck mover like Grizzly still be on the move to create just a little bit more cap space for another, you know, slightly larger signing midway through the year? Thoughts? Yeah, a, a solid veteran, a good pickup, um, and, and cheap. You know, uh, he's probably going to most likely be riding the third pairing on the right. Um, and if Forbert st- sticks around, that could be a spot for uh, that could be a um, a third pairing um, for them. Uh, I like Shattenkirk's game. I'm not sure about the whole quarterback and a power play at his age right now. I think that if 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 we're moving the puck more this up- upcoming season than we were last year, you kind of have to keep a mobile defenseman around like Rizlik. Um, that's just my opinion. Uh, but I really, I, I gotta be honest. I really don't, uh, watch a lot of, uh, Shattenkirk's game. So I really can't, you know, adjust to where I think he's going to fit in. I just think that he's definitely going to be on the third pairing and more or less possibly a six, seven type of guy. Um, so much like Clifton was, you know, play kind of play that role, but with a little more experience. And obviously you still have a guy like Zborrell who's the right now the, the seventh D. But, I mean, some people are penciling him in for top four minutes. Some people are penciling him in as the seventh, eighth defenseman. Lots to, to come through on this roster as far as how it's going to line up. Uh, some of the other guys, though, that, that we lost, we mentioned Vinny Letary. He ended up going to Minnesota on a deal. Hopefully he can uh, come around out there. Uh, Mike Riley, uh, Grace and I were talking about him kind of helping clear out some of the, the negative voodoo, if you will, in the locker room, the vibes um, by, by him signing with Florida, getting a chance out there. Um, Garnett Hathaway banking in Philly. Uh, mm-hmm. He was someone that a lot of people thought Boston was going to look to retain. Uh, I'm glad they didn't at the dollar amount, but <laughs> would you guys have liked to have seen him uh, come back? I, I, of course, would have. I loved Hathaway. And honestly, I, I don't even see this as like a... I think he would have wanted to come back. I do think he loved Boston and playing for Boston. And I don't entirely rule out the possibility maybe, you know, down the line that he might show back up as a possibility to come back. But, I mean, I think how if you're, you know, you can't say no to that price. I mean, that's... I think he's a guy that... I, I don't know if he was even expecting that. That's a huge amount of money that he's getting from a team that is also hurting for, you know, they're in the rebuilding phase and they're hurting for veterans. And I think that he is going to be a great addition to their locker room. Um, but I, yeah, it sucks to see him go. I loved Hathaway. I think everybody loved Hathaway. He became such a, a fan favorite in his short time uh, with us. Cause being a new England kid and just sort of embodying what it meant to be a Boston Bruin. So definitely sucks to see him go, but, I mean, that was not, we were not going to, that was not a paycheck we were going to sign. Like that just simply is, is way too high for what, you know, he had to offer us, but I think he has a lot to offer Philly. So sucks to see him sign with, you know, a team that isn't really well loved in Boston, but they're doing so poorly lately that you kind of feel bad for them and you can't hate them that much. Um, But yeah, so definitely sucks to see him go because I was a big fan, but I think it was definitely for the best given the, the price that he now is, is 
priced at. And another one, uh, Mark, that um, a lot of fans were looking to try to bring back somehow, uh, not going to a team that is so in the trash, as Grace put it, uh, Dmitry Orloff signing two by 7.75 with the Carolina Hurricane. Crazy. Yeah, crazy number. Definitely wasn't going to get that in Boston, uh, especially with the, the cap constraints that they're, we're currently in. Um, but, you know, I, I honestly, I was hoping that we were going to be able to uh, to keep all three of these players that we got in the, at the trade deadline. Um, but, uh, you know, when numbers started to come in and we were 4.5 already in the hole without anything happening this offseason – and the laundry list of things that uh, Evan Gold and Don Sweeney had to figure out to uh, to put a roster um, together this offseason wasn't going to be easy. And unfortunate fan favorites like Hathaway. Um, and I thought I thought Orloff did good here while he was here, but I knew that he was he was going to get paid because he's a he's an aging veteran in his thirties. He's going to want to get that those last tickets for you know the rest of his life. He needs a nest egg and. And he certainly got it with two years in, in uh, Carolina. So uh, good on him for signing that deal and good on them for finding, you know, uh, a way to get him into the lineup. But uh, I'm not a very big fan of Carolina, so hopefully he does terrible down there. Yeah, believe it or not, I absolutely despise the Carolina Hurricanes. And I am Shocker. so pissed. Yeah, Here's I know. Alcohol. Yeah, right? <laughs> I'm pissed. I hate, I hate seeing a player that played for us go to that hellhole. Grace, if, if my PS5 brain, Mark likes to call oh it, uh, comes to fruition here, actually, I think the number makes it a lot easier for them to trade for Eric Carlson because that helps even out the numbers a lot more in the money. And that was and a I huge hurdle. I hate that. Hurdle. I hate that. <laughs> I hate so it. I think Orlov, it was okay with getting bank because he knows that it may not, it may not be a forever thing two years he can go play in a, a city like san jose and he'll cash in again but if it helps make the money work for carolina to get their ultimate goal in eric carlson then uh you know the the money starts to make a little bit more sense as to why they would throw a bag at a guy like that so i do i do want to say one thing about hathaway um and it was my point online I, a lot of internet people attacked me on this saying i'm i was honestly saying i don't see hathaway coming back and their folks were attacking saying well the boston bruins are doing a very very good job of promoting him uh you know with the the pan mass challenge or something like that some kind of bike race that he was doing and so on and most of them most people fought me on this as like, oh he's coming back because the boston bruins are just they're promoting him they're promoting him and i just said he's under contract until july 1st so the Boston Bruins are doing a ver- their due diligence with a great player and so on. Let them do that, but I guarantee after July one, he's not going to be a Bruin. And- well, and also the the contracts that they sign have certain stipulations as to media appearances and stuff like that. That he may have had to do one or two of those types of things to hit his contract requirements. And they went, well, we have a week. You got to do them. So let's do them on this, this, and this. You live out your contract, no harm, no foul. And if we can work out an extension, great. If not, it's been great having you. So those are built into the contracts. I think a lot of people forget that. Uh, But speaking of contracts, there is one more of those big three. 
Tyler Bertuzzi is still out there testing free agency. And when you look at the cap space, Boston still has a little over $6 million to play with. Do you think any part of them is letting him test the market and say, if you get more than what we offered you, go take it, but our deal is still here if you want it? I, I'm... I- I, I don't know. I'm interested to hear what y'all think about this because I do. I sit here. I know we keep seeing tweets. I think it was even uh, it might have been Ty yesterday um, tweeting about that the door is definitely closed. I know Mark was referenced on uh, Toucher and Rich as oh, far yeah. as his comments. So that's part of why I want to bring it up. Humble yeah. brag for you, Mark. Nice job on that. Um, Thank you. And, and I know, great. So you, what you were saying is, is the door has been closed, but there is still room to work with on this roster. There's still a spot for him. Yep. But obviously one of the things that we've learned in all this is Sweeney can drive a hard bargain. And that is something that yep. we as Bruins fans have known. So yep. being able to walk away is the number one thing you have in negotiating. Now he may come back and they can go, well, the dollar amounts changed. Our our plans had to change because you didn't want our original offer. Yeah, I I don't know, and and I think that it's so. I I maybe it's the you know hope, hopeful, not unending optimist in me that wants to believe maybe there's still a shot and that the door is not closed. Um, but yeah, Mark Mark's tweet had everybody in a frenzy, had me in a frenzy. Um, so definitely a. a hot topic on Twitter lately is Tyler Mark, Bertuzzi. Can you let us know what that dollar value was? Do you know? I, I have no idea. From the from okay. the person that I talked to that slid into my DMs, um, <laughs> the dollar amount wasn't wasn't mentioned, but the dollar amount was agreed on by both sides. It was just a term. I believe the Boston Bruins were offering three or four years and I think Bert wanted five to or more. And I just don't think that that was feasible. Um, and that's just as, as of right now because the Boston Bruins are in such a salary cap crunch. But like you said, they have $6 million in space right now. If Burt wanted to come back down to $5 million, I think they, it could work because you also have a little bit of wiggle room to bring back uh, Patrice Bergeron if he was willing to come back on a uh, vet, vet minimum. You have that money available. Um, or is there another trade in the works? Um, who knows? You still I mean, have a guy like Grizzly that you can deal out who has right. he has trade value. Um, I know a lot of people. Uh, sorry, jumping around on this one, but Linus Allmark is another name that keeps popping up uh, as a way to clear cap and and whatnot. Uh, but final thoughts on Bertuzzi, then we'll we'll swing back around to Allmark and the goaltending. I'm good. Didn't mean to cut I, you off there. I sorry. I was just gonna ask what if if. Do we think, and I know we touched on this earlier, but I guess really I just want to sort of like a firm idea of what of what the thought here is. When when we dumped Taylor Hall, do you think there was this like pretty significant confidence that we would be able to keep Bertuzzi as a result? Or do you think all along the Taylor Hall thing was more of a, oh, we're going to pick up some guys in free agency for small you know contracts and hopefully leave room for a big guy? Or is do you think it was confidently Tyler Bertuzzi? Is it a cop-out answer to say both? No, like, I, that's fair. They were okay <laughs> with signing Bertuzzi. Like, if, if what Mark was told is accurate, they had a dollar amount set aside, and they said, mm-hmm. okay, 
we can dump Hall. We can still go after some of these other guys with Bertuzzi. Obviously, I don't think you go after a guy like Van Riemsdyk if you have Bertuzzi on the roster. And so that was kind of a flexible, like, okay, we're going to hold firm. Let me touch base with the Van Riemsdyk camp and see if we're firm on that. And then if something goes awry here, we need to walk away. We have a viable offer over here. And Van Riemsdyk for Bertuzzi, you know, they both can score. They both play a tough, you know, get game. Van Riemsdyk's just a little bit better defensively, in my opinion. And that was a huge knock on Bertuzzi. And you would like to think that as a guy who's, what, 24, 25, he'd be able to round out his game a little bit. But um, dumping Taylor Hall for Bertuzzi, unless you were keeping him for a longer term, wouldn't have made very much sense. Because you had Hall for two more years. You had a good, solid two-way guy who could play you know, up and down the, the – first second third line on the left side only the left side he we're not putting him back over on the right we tried that but with Bertuzzi he could swing over to the right a little easier so there's a little bit more give and take there but just defensively I don't know if he's ever going to get it yeah that's a valid point absolutely and and so I I think it's a little bit of both you know Mm -hmm. if, if we could bring him back I would think that that dollar amount is somewhere in the five and a half range so it would yeah. still allow for some of these other guys. Maybe you don't see a guy like Anthony Richard or Patrick Brown get their deal because you right. still want to get the Shattenkirk contract in there. That solidifies your defense, which is a huge spot. And also having the guys that you have right now, even Watherspoon in there, like you have eight defensemen. Seven of them are solid, allowing you to move on from a guy if a right deal comes along. Now, talking about the right deal coming along, Linus Allmark is still someone people think is being shopped. Um, where do you guys stand on Linus and Swayman, regardless of how you feel about the hugs? Because the, the hugs are great and all, but you got to win games to get the hugs. So, and where are you as far as dealing one or either one of them? Grace, I'll start with you. I, uh... I don't know. I'm. I'm. I. I know Mark has his thoughts on the hug. Um, I. But I. I personally. I don't know. I think the way that things are shaping up right now, I don't see a world in which we can afford to, at this point to get rid of Allmark. I think we are going to. This year more than we had to last year. It was. It was a. It was a luxury last year that we could rely on having a really, really strong goalie tandem. Um, because we had so much power offensively, defensively, and we just were good beyond that goalie tandem. But I think now, based on the way things are shaping up, losing Taylor Hall, Hathaway walks, Orlov walks, Bertuzzi, it's looking like, is going to walk. Maybe no Bergeron, maybe no Krejci. We need all of the goaltending strength that we can get. And I agree. I, I think that Allmark's value has never been higher to other teams in terms of price but i also think his value has never been higher to us i think we need him and swayman at this point together not that i don't think in the future like bussy is going to be a great you know a goal could be a goalie tandem with swayman probably it would be my in what i'm envisioning but um i think that based on the way that things shaped out shaped up wasn't exactly what we were all expecting. I think we were sort of expecting them to shop Allmark in order to make that room for a guy like Bertuzzi that we were really, really excited about. Um, but with that door closed or looking like it's closed, um, 
I don't see how you cannot lean on having a really good tandem. And I'm not saying he's going to have the Vezina caliber season he had this season. He's not. Um, and I don't put that on him. But we had a really, really strong goalie tandem that did things we didn't think they were going to be able to do. And I just think that we need that now more than ever. With this uncertainty elsewhere in the lineup and in the roster, I think that having them together is going to be really important. So I don't see him getting shopped out at this point. I'm not saying it couldn't still happen because it definitely can. He is really valuable. Um, but I don't know. I don't see it. I, I don't see it happening at this point. Um, and not, I'm not just saying that because I want the hug to stay. I'm saying it because I just think I don't see a world in which we can succeed on the level we want to succeed without having those two in net. Mark, your thoughts? I, I, I got to agree. I got to agree with a lot of what Grace said. And I'm starting to believe that if Allmark wasn't moved after yesterday to relieve some more cap space, I think that this might be the 2023-24 tandem that could be returning to the Boston Bruins. And that's not a bad idea. You're in a position of strength right now in goal. You have 1A, 1B again. I'm not saying like you guys said, is, is he going to win the Vesna? Is he? Are they going to win the um, the Jennings again? Who knows? I mean, it, it's a it's a mixed bag of what ifs uh, moving forward. But like Don Sweeney said, I mean, we're, they're really strong in goal and on defense, and I think that the forwards it might be a little bit of a mismatch on who's going to actually get most of the playing time and so on but that's that's something that you can continue to work on during this off season and be ready to be cap compliant by October but if you need to shed salary it is what it is it's a business i get it but i really like the idea of this this um pair moving forward next year because you you might need these two more than a lot of people realize when it comes down to that strength, um, you know, the last line of defense. You know, if, if things aren't working out front, you got to have a great goalie tandem to work with. And we already have it. So I like the idea of moving forward with both of them. But then again, if, if, if somebody needs to be resigned or there's somebody out there or a trade that happens and you need to relieve more cap, I could see that happen as well. Oh, yeah, for sure. It, it, it's a, in my opinion, I look at this roster and I go, it's a deadline team. See where you are at the deadline. You have some pieces you can flip. You have pieces that you can use to bring in other guys if you're closer than you think. Um, you know, you, you got to start to see how it plays out first. See what you have, what you want to keep. The goaltending market right now, um, I mean, think about it. Jonathan Quick is now going to back up Igor Shosturkin in New yep. York. There's another change there because it was – Shosturkin and Gorgiev, and then Gorgiev goes to Colorado. They brought in Halak. Halak couldn't do it. So, like, as solid as New, New York Rangers are, they have questions in goal behind Shosturkin. They have one guy, which is great. It, you, you'd rather have one than none, but still question marks behind him. And in New Jersey, you still have um, uh, Vanacek, and then you have mm -hmm. uh, Schmid, and they just went and got Eric uh, Schalgren from the, the Leafs, his, the, the RFA there. Carolina, they're bringing back Ranta and Frederick Anderson. Even though they have Kochekov in the wings, this kid looks yep. solid and like he could be a starter. They gave him a four-year contract, and they're still bringing back both Ranta and Anderson. When you have goaltending like what we have here in Boston, you cannot take it for granted and just mm -hmm. piss someone away because you need cap space. You, They always say you build your team down the middle. Well, the goaltender plays dead center of the ice. So... 
and you build from the goal out, right? From the back end up, that's where you're at. You have a strength there. Keep that strength. Florida, they lost Alex Lyon and went and stole Anthony Stolars out of L.A. Yep. to try and solidify because they don't know where things are going with Spencer Knight. Think about that tandem. They've got Bobrovsky, Knight, and Stolars. Like, teams are trying to solidify the position that you have, and now you're just right. trying to make it easier for them? Like, I get it. If you need to move someone to free up cap space, it's a position that you have the ability to shop, but that doesn't mean you just go, okay, well, we'll take two RFA defensemen for nothing just to get rid of the guy. That's what you do when you have excess like you do up front in Taylor Hall. And yeah. while he's a former MVP, you had excessiveness up front, and you still have it. You have guys that are chomping at the bit to get up there. Goaltending, yeah, Swayman might be able to take over, but behind him, as good as Bussy is, Mark, I think you may agree, I'd rather have Bussy down in Providence for an entire season longer if necessary. Maybe an entire if he earns an, it. An entire year? Uh yeah, possibly. I I could see. You now, if, if if there was a trade, say like just hypothetically, Omar is traded, and and you wanted to run with uh, Swayman as your starter, and then you get like a, a, a vet goaltender on the on the cheap. Like I I was eyeballing Joey Decord, and the way yep. he played out in uh, Coachella Valley uh, for the um, Seattle Kraken's freaking farm team, he was awesome, mm-hmm. and he got he got a two year deal point one point five which is great value. I thought that the Bruins would look at that. And if the backup next season, if it was Joey Decord or another veteran, that Bussy could be playing down in Providence, and then if he does really well like he did last season in the AHL, that he could filter his way up, you know, and possibly Joey Decord or another veteran uh, can be either waived or so on. But that's just, that's just a hypothetical I'm thinking about. Yeah, no, about. someone like that would have been perfect. But, uh, you know... It- Someone like Stolarz is another guy like that who's right. played well, but those guys aren't going to be on the market for very long. And and you would have had to pull the trigger on an all-mark deal when he had a full no-movement clause, so it just didn't make sense. We all liked, at least I know the guys that I were talking to, Kevin and you know, part, B&G people, Mark, I think you were on the board when the all-mark deal was signed two years ago. Uh, yeah. We loved the contract. And just because things have changed a little bit with a couple awards doesn't mean you now hate the contract. Right. It, it just means you should love it even more. <laughs> you're not, you're not um, extending your goaltender like New York did with Ilya Sorokin for eight more years. Yeah, that was crazy. Yeah. I think he got the most money of anybody yesterday. Longest term deal, longest, uh, highest dollar amount for the longest term. Tristan Jari was up there, though. It shows oh, that oh, yeah. panicking. Uh, oh, Pittsburgh, yeah. they got Nedeljkovic to back up Jari. Yep, that's crazy, actually. That's an interesting tandem. That That's a health-based tandem. Yeah, because the Red Wings, I was so confused when they were loading up on goaltenders, and then, but it makes sense getting rid of uh, Nedeljkovic then at that point. And also, it, Hellebuck's still out there. Yep, he's available for trade, although I think um, Winnipeg is going to try to talk him off the ledge. I think and they try will to talk them into extending him, um, and and that's the other thing is I just don't see the goaltending market as being as uh, hyped up for a guy like Olmark as we thought. I mean, Corpusalo got probably the best deal 
five years at four million dollars up in, in Ottawa, which great signing for them. I'm going to I'm going to throw that out there because they're waiting for Anton Forsberg to get healthy again from his two torn ACLs. So but Corpus Allo's solid signing for them. Um, were there any other signings that you guys saw yesterday from any other teams? I, I know we're getting close to the two hour mark, so we'll we'll start to wrap this up with any other final thoughts. But I just wanted to see if there were any other uh, free agent signings out there yesterday that jumped off at the page at you as shocking for whatever reason. Um, I was just going to say the Carolina Hurricanes are doing this game where they try and make me hate them more by signing bunting uh, as well. So that's going to be something else. And, oh, my God, if they then add Eric Carlson. Not that I hate Eric Carlson. I love Eric Carlson. But, man, I'm just going to hate being anywhere near them. So man, to, oh, man. To clarify, the way I have it in my head is the money with Orlov would be going to San Jose to help make the money work. Yeah. And that, that would make sense. Because San sense. Jose does not want to retain money on the Carlson deal, which I can't blame them. They've got like four years left on it. But at the right. same time, you signed them, you deal with it. Right. Um, but, yeah, no, yesterday was just a crazy day all around. I'm, I'm happy, I think, all in all with the Bruins, what happened with the Bruins, given the circumstances, given how tight the cap situation was going into this offseason. Um, I have to say, you know, I don't know. I, I trust Don Sweeney to an extent, um, but I, I'm not super angry at what he cooked up here. I'm not terribly angry um, for what was a crazy first day, especially with Twitter not being up and having trouble figuring stuff out. Um, but I'm, I'm, I think I'm happy with, with where we're at at this point, especially if we hold on to our goaltenders, um, who I think are going to provide a strong you know, foundation for the rest of the team going forward. Mark, your final thoughts? Uh, Pittsburgh, the goaltending situation, oh, that just kind of blew my mind that they still believe in, in Jari and so on. And good on them for having the faith in an individual. But <laughs> They are committed. I just, I, they are committed. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought they were going to go in a different direction in goal. And that just, mm-hmm. that just that was a blindsided one. Um, but it was a pretty, you know, to me, lax free agency around the league. It just seemed like a lot of teams uh, were adjusting to that that $1 million rise in the salary cap, and they were just making some really minimal moves. You know, one one year, $1 million. You saw a lot of that happen yesterday. And I just think that that was general managers showing more patience in the um, in what could happen with, the, with the, uh, a significant rise in the salary cap after this uh, next season. So um, it's going to be the wild, wild west when that cap goes up 4 or $5 million. It really is. Yeah, that that boost is going to be very interesting because you know you know Gary Bettman doesn't want to give it to us, you know he doesn't want to give it to us. But after this year, he has no reason not to. So he's going to uh, do everything he can to uh, not give it to us. But that that boost is going to really help. So, uh, like you said, a lot of short term deals, short money for this year. And um, like I said, we're approaching the two-hour mark. Any final thoughts before we uh, end this episode three thirty-seven? Do you want to? Um, do you want to? T- yeah, it's been great so far. Do you want to touch on the, uh, the the draft picks that happened uh, last week? Oh, that's on Thursday right. round two. All right, let me just let me just go through these quickly. Um, at the um, ninety-two, um, hang on a minute, Mike. My- Stupid iPad. So, so much has gone on. I, I 
almost forgot about the draft. Yeah. So Andrew and I were live during the entire first round for almost four hours. So with the 92nd pick in the uh, 2023 NHL entry draft, the Boston Bruins select Christopher Pelosi, um, and he was playing in Sioux Falls of the USHL, uh, 19 points in 43 games. Uh, really big kid. He's 6'2", 185 pounds. He's a forward. He shoots left, so that's good. Um, the next one is... One twenty-four was Beckett Hendrickson. Yep. Um, yeah, you might as well just name him off because my my iPad's going off the rails over here. Uh, One eighty-eight was Ryan always technology. Uh, let's see. Uh, let's see. The first three, four picks: uh, Pelosi, Hendrickson, Walsh, and Casper Nason are all forwards. I'm pretty sure they were all centermen too, if I remember correctly, um, or at least they were all capable of playing centermen. Walsh was at 188, and Nason was at 214. And then they addressed defense with 220 overall with Christian Kastoninski. There you I, go. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Yeah, um, 6'5", 214 pounds, a big, big defenseman. So uh, everybody that was drafted, all five picks the Boston Bruins selected in this 2023 NHL entry draft are all over six feet tall. So what does that tell you? I think they want size. I think so. I think they're going for bigger bodies. It'll it'll be very interesting to see how this plays out. Obviously, beef. Um, beef. But, <laughs> obviously, none of these guys are expected to touch NHL ice for at least what two, three seasons, given where they were drafted. But you know, for all the all the haters on Sweeney, um, you know, you, he almost almost won that GM of the Year award again, mm. uh, which would have been a nice one to to shove in their face, but. Uh, Mark, it looks like you have something to show for our Patreon users. I do. Um, and like I say, every week we have a Patreon account. And if you want to donate uh, $1 per episode, you will be eligible to receive uh, a hand-signed Boston Bruins alumni jersey or a current player uh, jersey. But for $1 this month, it is July. So we, we are giving away a new jersey. Congratulations to... Um, uh, Susan, who won uh, the Adam McQuaid jersey uh, last week, and um, my friend out in California, I can't remember her name, I'm so bad, she won the Matt Grizzlick jersey. So uh, the month of, of July is the Sean Thornton jersey. Ooh. So this is fully authenticated, hand-signed, Stanley Cup champions, um, really, really nice jersey here. Oh, yeah. Uh, 2011 Stanley Cup champ, all I that w- for a dollar. I want it. No. Okay. It's for our Patreon. I, so well, please go please go to <laughs> patreon.com slash block and gold hockey podcast and donate that one dollar because so it helps us out. Yeah, so that's well, why Chris doesn't get it. <laughs> uh, and any final thoughts, Grace, as we wrap up uh, episode three thirty seven. No, I'm I'm super excited. I'm glad you're here, Chris. It's been awesome to talk to you and I can't wait. Uh, thank you to everybody also who was on the stream yesterday and who sort of stuck through this free agency with us and just for listening and all we've been having so much fun even though it's been a crazy off season so i'm excited to uh keep chatting with y'all and and uh interacting with everybody as we get closer and closer to the new season awesome looking forward to it thanks to everybody who's tuned in who's listened um you know who's watched any of our live streams obviously we do a lot during the week as well we have so many shows out there 
I don't even know if I could list all of them. Uh, we've got what's brewing, something's brewing, puck off, uh, dropping the mitts, only Bruins, uh, short shift pod. Um, obviously, us here at the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Uh, Mark, am I forgetting anybody on the network? <laughs> Uh, the Lindroth Hockey Podcast, the Baked Bear, um, um, Bean Town, the Broad Street to uh, Bean Town, or Broad yep. Street to Boston. There's like we have like ten um, active shows on our network. So and we're still growing. And again, I'll I'll repeat myself from the start of the show. We're looking for more writers. We're looking for more podcasters. We want to grow our sports media company. So please reach out if you want to be a part of this this growth in, in digital content, whether it be audio, video, uh, or anything, um, send me a, an email at blackandgoldproductionsllc at gmail.com. Slide uh, and into I, his DMs like his That's insights. it. That's it. Uh, I do want to mention, uh, thank you very much for the interactions uh, this offseason. It's been really good. You guys really help us uh, pass the offseason, and hopefully we do the same in, in return. Um, I do want to shout out our, our show sponsor, uh, FanDuel, uh, please go to FanDuel.com slash Boston and, uh, and you know, get a no-sweat first bet for up to $1,000. It's a, it's a really cool thing. I love gambling. I do it, please do it responsibly, obviously. And also shout out to our friends over at Action Electronics. They continue to be uh, tremendous people in supporting us as we, in turn, promote their uh, tremendous service for many people that have uh, issues when it comes to supply chain. And with that, I say... Cue the music. That is episode 337. (laughs) Thanks again for tuning in and supporting this week's episode of the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please give the show a five-star rating and write a review on listening platforms such as Apple Podcasts and Spotify Podcasts. If you'd like to contact the show for advertising opportunities or to send us a question or topic idea we should be discussing, please send us an email to blackandgoldproductionsllc at gmail.com. Don't forget to share our program on your social media platforms with other hockey fans and follow our Twitter accounts at blackandgoldpod, at bngproductions, at blackandgold277, and at Kevin underscore O'Keefe 89. Also, please don't forget to check out our official blackandgoldhockey.com website where we cover the Bruins organization from the NHL level down to the prospects worldwide. Peace out. Peace out.